sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Very happy to have as our guest today, Amanda Tyler, Executive Director of the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. And this is an organization that started an effort called Christians Against Christian Nationalism. And here we are recording in the days after the first anniversary of January 6th. And Christian nationalism has been on many people's thoughts in light of the remembrance about the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. Amanda, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thanks for having me, Alan. Good to be here. Why did the Baptist Joint Committee start Christians Against Christian Nationalism? Well, BJC started Christians Against Christian Nationalism in collaboration with a number of other ecumenical Christian leaders and groups way back now in July 2019. And it was at that point, you know, a full 18 months before January 6th insurrection, that we saw a rising tide of Christian nationalism, more and more instances, including violent instances of Christian nationalism in the culture. And we saw it as an urgent threat, not just to our democracy, but also to the Christian faith and witness itself. And so we decided to put together this ecumenical initiative to the the centerpiece of Christians Against Christian Nationalism is a statement of unifying principles that we hope would bring together Christians from a number of different theological, ideological, cultural, geographic places in our country, bring them together around this statement. And it would be a place where we could learn more about Christian nationalism. We could learn, first of all, what it is and learn to spot it and to have conversations in our Christian communities um, and in the broader culture as well about how Christian nationalism was a threat. How is it? You said it's perceived to be a threat both to democracy and to our Christian witness. Can you explain that? Sure. Well, you know, Christian nationalism is a political ideology and cultural framework that seeks to merge our identities as Americans and Christians. And it seeks a privileged place for Christianity in our culture and our government. And in that way, it goes against foundational democratic ideals of the United States as a place that has religious freedom for everyone, that our status as citizens and as full participants in our democracy is not premised on what faith we follow or even if we claim a religious faith at all. And so the idea of Christian nationalism is a direct attack on those foundational ideas of religious freedom for all. That's the democracy part. But the part that's a threat to our faith as Christians is that Christian nationalism asserts a perspective that is directly at odds with the very heart of theology as a Christian, that God God is at the pinnacle of our lives, that no one is equal to our to God and to, for Christians, um, how God is expressed in Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ is Lord, not any political figure. And Christian nationalism really merges these identities in such a way that sometimes 
puts American government above Christianity or confuses the two in ways that really um, tear at the heart faith as Christians. It it can be heretical. It can lead us into blasphemous situations and into idolatry. These are some of the threats of Christian nationalism. I think Christian nationalism really relies on a power dynamic. It creates a vision of our faith that is aligned with the powerful in ways that are very against the foundations of Christianity and the words of Jesus that the last shall be first and and all of those parts of our theology that are really antithetical to a powerful Um, or at least a a powerful in the worldly sense, um, when we think of those words that Christian nationalism really asserts and furthers. Reminded of my frequent quip these days that Americans love to identify as Christian. They just don't have much use for the teachings of Jesus. You know, They're inconvenient, in, right, in our culture. You know, right? blessed are the poor in spirit and, you know, blessed are the peacemakers and all of that. You know, there's no room in the teachings of Jesus for, you know, taking a, an Uzi to a gunfight kind of a political, you know, all out war. Well, you know, in light of, I mean, I was at a vigil for democracy, an interfaith vigil for democracy on January 6th. And it's really kind of unthinkable that we would need to simply demonstrate our commitment to democracy. And I think the event reflects a growing concern, a fear even, that, you know, that the church not only represents, as you said, a threat to religious liberty because of a vision of kind of a, of a Christian America, of a Christian-dominated country, but represents a threat to a democratic governance, to seeking a more authoritarian, you know, type of approach and with hundreds and hundreds of bills really trying to reshape how we do electoral politics in this country. This is something new, at least in our generation, isn't it? The idea that Christians as a political movement would pose a threat to our democracy. I think it is new and certainly on the scale that we saw on January 6, 2021. You know, at the insurrection itself, there were so many symbols of Christian nationalism. We're still learning about how Christian nationalism both influenced and intensified the attack that day. And it served to many as a wake-up call about what Christian nationalism in the hands of violent extremists could do. And in that way, you know, as someone who has been really looking at and studying Christian nationalism now for several years, it's interesting to see how much more interest there is in the topic after January 6th. And it is mainly because of its role in the insurrection itself. So now many people are associating Christian nationalism with what happened on January 6th. And I think that has intensified this idea that that you state that that it is actually Christian nationalism um, is fostering this movement that really is at war with democracy and democratic principles, um, free and fair elections, you know, and anti-authoritarianism, which we are battling in a very real way in this country right now. I think the association of Christian nationalism with January 6th is valid. One of the things that we have not seen reported widely, and I think many don't realize, is that the rally on January 6th followed on the heels of something that was organized called the Jericho March, right? That's right. For Christians, the symbolism of the Jericho March 
is really quite obvious, isn't it? Because in the historic account, Israel marched seven times around the city of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. And so, you know, I guess the question is, what walls were Christians trying to demolish in our nation's capital by conducting a Jericho march? Uh, but it clearly was an assault on our national government in some sense. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that BJC is working with some other groups right now on a report on January 6th and Christian nationalism, where we're really detailing not just what happened on January 6th, but the events leading up to it, including this event organized by the Jericho March. This was an organization that was organizing a number of different events, but had a, a very large event in December of 2020. And Part of what they were doing was to march around the Supreme Court, you know, to make those walls fall down, to come to the Capitol and disrupt the democratic process in that way. Um, and so this using of biblical imagery and stories and language to try to further these attempts to really overthrow the, the government and the peaceful transfer of power is a very dramatic example of the links um, to which some people would go in this um, with this Christian nationalism ideology at the forefront. Now, I have to ask you, and maybe this is getting too personal, but you know, you're a leader of a Baptist organization. I'm certainly well known in my role within the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and in both of our communities, we have plenty of very conservative Christian folks who love the Lord and who um, clearly are enamored of Christian nationalist ideas enmeshed in, in conservative politics. Are you getting much pushback within the Baptist community? Or is BJC getting much pushback? Well, we certainly get some pushback. I think, though, what, and what heartens me is we get more encouragement from our constituents, people who appreciate what we're putting out, and they appreciate it because it helps give them language and resources to talk about within their churches, within their communities, because it is there. And, and I think that's an important point. When we talk about Christian nationalism, it is not a problem that was just apparent at January 6th insurrection. It is an ideology that permeates American culture. You know, I believe centuries. It's something that is just part of being an American and it's part of all of us. You know, some of us don't buy into the ideology as much as others do, um, but it is impacts all. And so having that spirit of self-reflection, self-criticism, humility when it comes to Christian nationalism, that this isn't just a problem for a few, this is a problem for all of us, I think really does help to kind of ratchet down some of that defensiveness when it comes to Christian nationalism. Now, one point is, you know, no one really self-identifies as a Christian nationalist. <laughs> Met anyone who said, yep, that's me. I'm a proud Christian nationalist. That's not language that people use. And so I think some of the pushback we get is not so much about not wanting to be labeled in a certain way, but, you know, more just questioning, what do you mean this isn't a Christian nation? I don't understand that. What do you mean? Shouldn't we be furthering our, um, you know, faith in the culture? And, and I think a lot of this stems from just some misunderstandings about some of these principles of religious freedom that, of course, we think there's a place, a robust place for religion in the public square, but we think that there is also room for 
for religious difference in the public square. And that that is an important part of religious freedom for all, that we don't want the government telling us how to think and and how to worship and what to do, that that hurts our religious freedom. And, you know, I think you know, some of this is a little self-selection. People who are working with Baptist Joint Committee have a foundational idea of religious freedom already, you know, and so they're open to this language. And and I think it's really about getting resources to them so that they can have these tough conversations with people in their churches and communities. Speaking of resources, and we just have a minute before we close, but I want to highlight uh, Baptist Joint Committee has prepared a curriculum, haven't you? That's right. On Christian nationalism. Tell us about that and how our listeners can get that. Yeah, so this is a three-lesson or three-part curriculum that is available for free download at christiansagainstchristiannationalism.org. And it is organized around a webinar that we put on right after January 6th in 2021 of religious leaders coming together to better understand Christian nationalism and how to dismantle it from ourselves and our congregations. And there was so much interest in that webinar that we used it as a basis for this curriculum. So if you download the curriculum, you can also download some uh, PowerPoint presentations that have clips from the webinar embedded in them. Uh, We've had over a thousand unique downloads of the curriculum so far and have already gotten feedback from groups that have used them. Really um, great feedback about how useful it is for starting conversations and action in their communities. We'll certainly make that available with a link as well. Our guest today, Amanda Tyler, Executive Director of Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. Thanks so much for being with us today, Amanda. Thank you, Alan. And for the wonderful work that you and everyone at BJC does. This has been Freedom's Ring. As we close, friends, don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association, producer of Freedom's Ring, on the web at religiousliberty.info. And be sure to listen to Freedom's Ring on our SoundCloud radio station or on iTunes. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.